My goal is to bring together three idea, ideas today with at least a hope of some semblance between them. Um, I have to talk about the readings, obviously, because that's what we do at Mass. We talk about the readings, and they're all about love. And then I also want to talk about Mother's Day and the gift of femininity that we receive from the women in our life and to focus it, on thirdly, on the gift of the Blessed Virgin Mary. What does Mary offer us as Christians, as a church, as the mother of Christ, the mother of our church, and in her own mother in a very special spiritual way? And I think the line that draws all three of those ideas together is that a woman who is truly acting out of her giftedness, out of her proper nature, has a special power to draw us into reality, to keep us anchored in the world as it is, and therefore enter into the love of Christ that he calls us to in the Gospels. And I heard a reflection about women the other day, and it said how because a woman is totally geared towards the world, when a woman has a baby, all her energy is focused on that child. While a man is more ideal, men are always thinking about the future of how to provide. But it also has the danger that men can become very idealistic, get stuck in their heads. But because women are always focused on the immediate needs in reality, they actually act as an anchor to keep men coming back to reality, looking at life as is, and, and truly learning how to love their life as it is, to kind of get out of their head. But it made me realize something, that when I look back in my life, at least in the past like 10, 10 or 12 years since I really came to start living our faith, it's primarily been women, like five or six different times in my life, who've converted me back to reality. When I was getting stuck in my head about what life should be, what the church should be, what the vocation of the priesthood should be, it was different women who came along at that time to bring me back to reality, to love as is. And that's, in a, in a sense, what we see Mary doing for Jesus himself. It was Mary who opened Jesus into the reality of his mission. Right? He lived 30 years of silence and solitude separation. And it was Mary at the wedding feast of Cana who opened reality before Christ and invited him to manifest himself in the smallest detail of a couple running out of wine. They have no wine. She reveals that reality. And she doesn't force it upon him. She doesn't nag him and say, do your miracle now. You know, he says, my time has not yet come. Because once he makes that miracle, he's going to get that much closer to the cross and to the rejection and being understood as who he is as a Messiah. So Mary just lays open the reality. They have no wine. Do whatever he tells you. And says, after that miracle, the apostles began to believe in him. And that's when his whole public life began. And so that's the power, in a sense, of femininity. They draw us into reality. And that's exactly what devotion to Mary does for us. Mary draws us into the reality of the gospel. There's no way, when you get closer to Mary, you never just get closer to Mary. She always, when, the more we say Mary, the more she says Christ. And the closer we come to her, the more she draws us into the reality of Christ. I remember before I was really practicing the faith, it, the gospel of Jesus seemed too far from me, too far from my life. 
But it was when I started studying the apparitions of Fatima, of our Blessed Virgin, our Blessed Mother appearing in Fatima in 1917. It was the first time I saw the reality of maybe God does exist and maybe he's still working in the world. And all Mary said was, repent, believe in the gospel and start praying the rosary every day. And little by little, I started praying the rosary and I started getting closer to Mary. And through that very act, Jesus became more and more of a reality in my life until I heard him calling me to become a priest. And so that's what Mary does for us, and that's what women do in general. They draw us into the reality of the gospel so that we can experience the conversion of Christ. This made me think of us of an apparition I've been considering lately. How many of you heard of Our Lady of Cabejo? It's, it's amazing that we haven't... A lot, I, I, I speak to very few people who've actually heard of that apparition. And it's one of the most significant ones that has happened in the past 50 years. Totally approved by the church. In 1981, Mary appeared to three girls in Kibeho in Africa. And she gave them... First, she was teaching them how to pray the rosary. This was in a Catholic boarding school. And there's a lot of persecution that went around this. A lot of people thought it was either diabolical or they were faking it. But then with all the mystical phenomenon that was happening, they wouldn't respond to any, any external stimuli when they were in their, in their ecstasies. And doctors who studied, uh, studied them said that their entire brain was lit up. You know, we're only losing like 10, 15% of our brain. When they'd be in their, mystic, their visions, their entire brain was active. And they wouldn't respond to burning, to pinching, to lights in the eyes, nothing. Well, Mary asked them to begin to pray the rosary and convert their lives to the gospel. Very simple. Just repent and believe in the gospel and convert your lives to Christ. And when they asked what Mary, when people asked what Mary looked like, is interesting because they're all, you know, they're all black. They said, well, she wore white, a white habit with a white veil but we couldn't tell the color of her skin. It's like it's pure light. But she was the most beautiful woman we've ever seen. And one of them asked Mary, why are you so beautiful? And Mary said, I'm beautiful because I love. The more you love, the more beautiful you will become. And she said that her messages weren't just for Africa. She said, I'm coming here, the fact that I'm coming here does not mean that my message is only for Rwanda, nor just for Africa, but for the entire world. And she asked him, I need you to begin to pray the rosary. Don't resent your sufferings. Forgive those who persecute you. And it seems very simple, like, you know, simple messages. But she warned them, if you do not convert to the love of Christ, your country will fall into the abyss. No one understood what that meant. And on August 15, 1982, the girls had a pretty terrifying and somewhat enigmatic vision in front of 2,000 people who were gathered there. And they saw, in a sense, violence everywhere. And they even saw a river that was flowing with blood. And they all started crying out. And they asked her, what does this mean? And Mary didn't tell them what the vision meant, but she said, tell your government to stop killing its own people. Again, this is 1982 now. Nothing's going on. They didn't understand what that meant. But tell your government to stop killing its own people. It was only later on that they realized what a prophetic warning this apparition of Mary was. 
and what happened 12 years later in 1994? The Rwandan genocide. The biggest genocide in the history of the world in such a short time. In three months, one million Tutsis were killed by Hutus. One million. And it was something they never imagined could have happened in their land. Even one of the visionaries was swept away by, by the murderers. But Mary came to warn them 12 years in advance. If you do not convert your lives to the love of the gospel, you'll be swept away in the abyss. And that's what women do. Women draw us into the reality of God's love. They don't force it, but they offer it, and they open that, that reality for us to respond to. And the opposite of God's love, of remaining in his love, is ideology. Ideology is something that's very masculine. It's when you get stuck in your head about what the world should be, what the church should be, what other people should be. And then you try to impose that reality of your mind on other people. And the more that that happens, the more violent and chaotic things become because reality doesn't conform to what we think it should be. And that's why the opposite of ideology is the very love of Christ that we're hearing about in, in the readings today. Let us love one another because love is of God. And what Christ himself says, if you could keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and I remain in his love. This is my commandment. Love one another. And that was really the great power of Christ that even to the point of his death on the cross, he remained in love. He never let his heart become embittered or resentful. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. No animosity against other human beings. And total surrender to his father. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And he's telling that his disciples at the Last Supper, you too must fight to remain in my love or you will be swept away in violence and divided amongst yourselves. The opposite of God's love, and that's why it's nothing, it's nothing cliche or contrite. The two battles, the two battlefields in this world that we will always live between is the love of God which is present right in front of us, in reality right now, or ideology. It's always the two battlefields. It's group identity, which all is in the head. And that's exactly what Mary was warning against. If you do not convert your hearts to the gospel, begin to pray, begin to fast, forgive your enemies, hold on to no resentment, accept the sufferings that you're going through without embittering your hearts, or else you will fall into the abyss. And what was the abyss? It was group identity, social Marxism. And it infiltrated the minds of the Hutus so they said, you've been oppressed by the Tutsis. You're victims. The Tutsis are oppressors. And just by the very fact that they're Tutsis, they're bad people. And if you really want to get your life together, you want to have your, your heaven on earth, you need to feel justified in rising up against them. And that's exactly what happened.
You can only have genocide, mass killing, mass violence with ideology. You have to label someone just because of the color of their skin, just because of their political party, just because of their sexual orientation, just because of their economic value. That determines who they are. And then you can say good and bad, and we need to get rid of these people so that we can have a better world. The opposite of ideology that always is a temptation in this world is the love of Jesus Christ. And the thing is, we don't get love without Christ because God is love. And Jesus Christ alone is the one who reveals the love of the Father, that love unto death. And that's the difference in our world that we're going into. See, we, we've, we, we've grown up in a Christian society, but we no longer want Jesus Christ, right? So we want the virtues and the morality that Christ brought, that Christianity has brought up in the world without the name of Jesus. And yet we're surprised that there's so much fractioning, right? You don't get the love of God without the person of Jesus Christ. And when we lose Christ, we lose that active, real love in the world, and then we begin to fragment. And I told, I was on that big masculinity kick, right? For a while, everyone loved that. And I was talking to, I was talking to one of my friends, he's a very holy and smart priest, and I was like, you know, the problem is we need more men to stand up and to lead and, and to take their place. And he looks at me and goes, no, we need more women. Are you kidding me? I was like, the problem is we're losing men everywhere in our church. He goes, no. Women are what save us from ideology. And what the world has done today is it's saying that the highest thing that anybody can be is masculine. And when you have everybody striving to be more masculine, more independent, more strong, right? whether you're a man or a woman, then everyone begins more and more to get crept away in ideology. Remember, the greatest gift to the feminine is to draw us into life as is, love as is. And that's why the secret to our times, what we really need more than ever, is proper femininity. Proper love for one another as we are right now, where we are. That's the great battle of life. So I just offer us a couple resolutions on this Mother's Day. Number one, consider how has it been, how, what women in your life, whether it be mothers or wives or daughters, what women in your life have helped ground you in reality to bring you back to your life, to your church, to your faith, to your family, when you were in times of crisis? And thank God for that. Remember that. Hold, treasure those memories. Acknowledge it. Number two, let's take Mary's message to heart. Because that Cabejo wasn't just for Cabejo. Rwanda can happen everywhere. Pray the rosary every day. 
If you can't pray the whole rosary every day, do one decade of the rosary every single day. If you can't do one decade of the rosary, three Hail Marys every day. And if you're that pathetic, you can do one Hail Mary every single day, and that's enough, all right? One Hail Mary is enough. And I promise you, the closer that we draw to Mary, she draws us into the reality of Christ. And then let's all reflect in our hearts because ideology affects every single one of us in our own way. Is there any way that I'm looking at certain people and saying just because you can be categorized in this way makes you a bad person because you're different from me? Let's pray for the repentance, the renewal of our hearts to love every single individual around us, to never fall into that insidious ideology that would separate us from those around us. Because the miracle of God's love of his gospel is that he enters into the world through his incarnation and he loved us as we were. As he continues to do in every single Eucharist, to enter into our reality, body, blood, soul, and divinity, to love us exactly where we are, so that we too might go back into our world, into our lives, loving every single person as Jesus Christ commanded us unto death. And that's a grace and a power that is specially given to us by women. Our Lady of Cabejo, pray for us.